Welcome to the Success ID podcast. My name is Dr. Glenn Wallace. And on this week's show, we've got a slightly different format for you. Very good friend of mine and outstanding trainer and facilitator for presenting skills and presentation skills, uh, Darren Smallridge, who's the founder of the Power Up program, uh, was kind enough to deliver a webinar to the Success ID club audience. And it was so fantastic that I've decided to make that the podcast for this week. Presentation skills are such an important part of leading yourself and leading others well because often you have to communicate effectively as a leader in order to get the results and the performance that you need. I thought this was a kind of opportunity to share uh, presentation skills as success with the fantastic Darren Smallridge. I hope you enjoy it. Okay, I'm really mindful that it's just uh, about five o'clock. So I know that Darren's got so much value to to bring to everybody. I'm going to suggest that we um, actually get going. So um, to to everybody, to all the guests that we have on board, and I know that we'll have more coming, um, you are very welcome to Presentation Skills for Leaders with a really dear friend of mine, uh, Darren Smallridge. So welcome to everybody that's in the audience and Darren, a, a very warm welcome to you, sir. Thank you, Glenn, and good evening, good evening everyone. Um, really looking forward to this. When I, when, um, so for those of you that are known, we'll get onto a little bit more detail on this in a minute. Um, the Success ID Club is broken down into seasons. This is the final session of season three, which was looking at communication um, for leaders. And uh, when, I, when I had in mind to run a, a presentations webinar, there was genuinely only one person that came into my head and he, I, I might put him on mute right now. Um, <laughs> but the only person that jumped into my, to my head when I wanted somebody to, to do that was, was Darren and, and he was kind enough to agree to do that. Um, and I do recognize that several of you are, are new to Success ID. So I just want for a moment, if I might, just to share a, a little bit about what Success ID is trying to do and why we're here and how we hope to help you. Um, we're trying to make Success ID the network and learning club of choice for people that are interested in leading themselves and others successfully. Now, you don't have to be the most senior leader in your organization. If you're just keen on leading yourself effectively, then as far as we're concerned, you're a leader. You might be leading a family, you might be leading a function, you might be leading a team, you might be a, the CEO of a multinational. All of those people, for me, qualify as leader. And therefore, if you're in that bracket and you're interested in developing yourself, then uh, you're very much part of uh, the Success ID family and you are warmly, warmly welcome. Um, how do we help emerging leaders such as yourself? Well, um, in three ways, really. Um, every week, more or less, <laughs> mostly more, um, we run the Success ID podcast. Uh, that's available on iTunes, Stitcher and Spotify. Um, last week's podcast was on internal arts of success with a Japanese swordmaster who talked about developing internal arts in order to lead more effectively. I have to tell you that I've just looked at the numbers. Uh, it's a podcast that's just received twice as many listens as every other podcast episode um, that's been recorded this year and, and I wow. think that's a fantastic indicator of the growth of that so I would strongly recommend it to you. I know there are lots of listeners of the podcast on this call. I'm going to ask a favour of you. Um, if you could 
please go on to iTunes. And, and if you genuinely think it's a five-star podcast, I'd, I'd really urge you to do that because it's very silly thing um then there are events such as this which is the success id club these are run at the on the last wednesday of every month and um one month is a webinar like this and the next month is a live event and then we alternate throughout the year having a little bit of time off over the summer break um so that's cool and then finally a book that i'd recommend to you and this is the only salesy bit that you will get from me is um, a book that David Pilgrim and I wrote last year, which is currently five stars on Amazon called Leader ID. And much of the work and much of the inspiration for Success ID comes directly from that book. So um, again, that's the only salesy pitch you'll get from me. Success ID Club is currently free to attend. So I would strongly recommend that you, you know, ask as many people as, as you can that you think this would be a good fit for. Um, so that's it. That's it. That was just a little bit of a, a, a sort of scene setting. We've got a few places left for next Wednesday's final event of the year, which is our Christmas drinks. If you happen to be in London and you haven't yet signed up, drop me an email or drop Joe at Glenn P. Wallace an email and you'd be very, very welcome to come along. But genuinely, I mean, this isn't a sales pitch itself. There are only a few places left because we have a, a limit of 60. Um, I think that's pretty much it. If you don't mind just rolling forward one, Darren, on there, that'd be great. Um, One second. we're taking questions um, throughout so that was just a reminder about the Christmas thing just drop me an email if, you, if you'd like to um, we will take questions throughout and we will try to capture those um, and ask them as we go so please don't not ask a question but equally you know you don't have to wait to the end um, if, it's, if it's appropriate for us to answer it we'll answer it as we go okay cool um, Glenn, can you hear me okay, yeah? From me. Yep, yep, you're all good. Perfect, I thought I'd gone on to mute. Um, so, so why presentations and why Darren Smallbridge? Uh, I'm gonna give Darren the, the chance to speak to, to himself, but I just wanna say that I think the, the thing for me is we know that presentations are genuine genuinely a we acknowledge that they can be a genuinely difficult thing for people right so um if we can help you present in all sorts of different contexts more effectively then that's job well done there's a there's a book with a fantastic title called and death and death came a third and and um, what it suggests is that in large polls and large surveys the two things that come above death in terms of people's fears networking and public speaking. So uh, it's clear that this is right on top of people's minds. And in that sense, I'm gonna hand you over to Darren to, to give you a little introduction to himself, but I know that you'll get a lot of value from this. And we're gonna kind of do it informally, Darren, yeah? So we'll kind of do it a little bit of a Brilliant. bit of you and then a bit of question from me and, and the team. You're very welcome, yeah. off you go, so do your thing. Thank you, Glenn. Yeah, that would be a great way. And actually already stuff that you're talking about with that, your podcast sounds, there'll be a lot of parallels with what I'm talking about which will become clearer as we go through the, the idea of internal art forms and all Eastern martial arts are internal arts and they have obviously an external physical form, but um, there'll be a lot of a parallel. So if you go and listen to that uh, podcast and then reflect on this session now, there'll be a lot of really strong parallels to that. 
Um, so who is Darren Smoridge? I love that first one. Who is Darren Smoridge? <laughs> my, fam my family not even sure, but there they are anyway. Um, my most adoring and loving audience to date. Mm -hmm. uh, and they will come and see me freely and, and, and never ask for anything in return other than pure love as an audience. Um, but, but why am I here talking about presentation skills today? Um, I've been on a lot of stages over my career. Uh, this particular one was in London uh, about a year and a half ago, and the audience was 1,200 people. I don't know what the biggest audience any of your uh, listeners, any of our listeners have, have, have spoken to or presented to, but 1,200 is a decent-sized audience. And this one was in the round. We talked about presentations being difficult. Doing it in the round is another challenge that you play on top of that, which is an entire audience surrounding you. The first question people ask is, which way do I look? And my answer is in every direction. Yeah. Uh, so I've, I've traveled all over the world speaking, presenting. I spent a number of years working uh, as a breakthrough leader for an organization called Breakthrough. And I traveled over the world leading two-day seminars, mostly around mindset and behavior. But I was obviously presenting content for two days. Uh, and I also spent a lot of my time teaching and coaching presentation skills either on a one-to-one -one basis or in groups. And um, sometimes I have lovely audiences. Sometimes my audiences are quite brutal. <laughs> this, partic this particular audience uh, of eight spent 30 minutes beating the crap out of me. And that's me on the left. And um, I'm sure you've all had a tough audience in your time. When I look at this picture, the guy in the middle, um, Robert, is smiling at me. And sometimes you feel like your audiences are giving you a kicking and smiling, hey? Um, but I survived that one and I continue to, <laughs> to smile myself. Yeah. So a little bit of background about me and kind of what, why Glenn's asked me to come and speak to you today. My original training was in acting. So I trained classically at one of the best drama schools in the world, a place called the Royal Central School of Speech and Drama. It takes three years of voice training just to say the title of the school. Um, mm -hmm. But actually, interesting, it wasn't a royal when I was there. They hadn't been given their royal seal. Um, and when people hear that I trained as an actor, they often go, oh, that makes sense. That's why you're really good at it, because you can act it. And the, my response to that was a similar response to my acting training was I realized very quickly that acting training is not about acting. In fact, it's about the pursuit of truth and moments of truth. And in fact, any art form is about being present and truthful. So that whole three years of acting training was about finding moments of truth. So getting full recognition of your mind, what was possible with your body and your voice and increasing the spectrum of what's possible for you when you deliver a play. And the only difference between being in a play and delivering a presentation is being yourself as opposed to being a character. And yet, even when we're being characters in the world of acting, we're still calling upon our own real emotions, our own real thoughts, just set within the context of that play and that story. So I've developed a whole bunch of performance skills from my acting training, which I now share in presentation skills. And obviously I use myself when, when I'm delivering my seminars. The second thing that I am, you will have noticed from the previous picture, is I'm a martial artist. 
and I've spent about 18 years now training in Chinese martial arts. And this is one of my heroes here, um, Bruce Lee. He's my hero for two reasons. One, because the man was capable of the most extraordinary physical feats, flexibility, his strength, his conditioning, his commitment to his flexibility and adaptability. And the second thing was he, a lot of people don't know this, but he was a philosopher, a very profound philosopher and went and studied philosophy and studied the teachings of Confucius and other kind of ancient philosophers. And one of his favorite, one of my favorite quotes of his, which I think is an adapted from a Confucius quote is the one about water. I don't know if you've seen this one before, Glenn. Yeah, I have, yeah. He talks about emptying your mind being formless, shapeless like water. If you put the water into a cup, it becomes the cup. You put the water into a bottle, it becomes the bottle. You put it into a teapot, it becomes the teapot. Now water can flow or it can crash. Be water, my friend. And mm. I bet, having not heard that your podcast yet, I bet your Zen master talks a lot about being water and, and being in the present moment. And emptying your mind. Yeah, there was a, there was a lot of that reference to to the sort of being in that moment and and the, that fully present idea. Absolutely mm. key. Oh, I've lost you. I can't hear you. Can you hear me? Hello, can you hear me okay? I can hear you, yeah. Can you hear me? Okay, great. Yeah, yeah. Um, fantastic. So now, actor, martial artist, and now I spend my days as a coach, as a speaker and a facilitator. Again, still traveling quite widely, delivering my work from the context of coaching, speaking, running seminars, um, running presentation skills programs and one-to-one -one presentation skills. So my year is very eclectic. Okay. And I can see on, on big stages and small mm -hmm. stages. So when I say stage, I'm just talking about any arena with which you speak to people and an audience is one other person and can be up to however, however many arena sized. So, so that's, that's me. Um, and I'm guessing every single one of you came to this session for a reason about improving your awareness or increasing your capacity to deliver great presentation. And I came up with a phrase a while back, you know, you talked about that, the death quote, Glenn. Mm -hmm. And the question I ask is, do you have presentation skill or do your presentations kill? Okay. Now I didn't, I didn't make a slide for it, but literally just by moving one letter across, yeah. it creates a different word. But essentially what, what I'm going to offer you in this, in this short 45-minute session is how to have your presentations feel more easy and easier for you and easier for your audience to take on board, how you can get more energized yourself in your presentation, whether you're introvert or extrovert, and how you can energize your audiences, and as importantly, how to really engage an audience and keep them connected through your entire presentation, no matter whether it's five minutes, five hours, or five days. 
But so they're, they're the three. And I've been on some five day seminars. And I remember I remember you doing one in Spain, particularly, I think, at a, at a particular product launch, I seem to remember. Um, can, I, can I just ask you just very quickly, just to jump in with, with a question that I've got based on something you've just said. When you talk about energised, regardless of whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, what, what do you mean by that specifically? I often hear from, from introverts that, that public speaking is not for them because they're okay. introverted and they often kind of come up with the excuse that they're shy and they're introverted. And, yeah. and my answer to that is, it's about energy, right? So okay. earlier on when I said, when people hear I'm an actor, they go, oh, that's okay, that's, you can do it because you're an extrovert. Mm. But actually the statistics around actors are probably 80% of actors are introverted. Right. And that's why they go and hide behind characters in costume and speak other people's texts. Mm. Um, so for me, it's about energy. And some of the best speakers and presenters I know are, are actually introverts. And the thing that you need to know is if you're an introvert, it just requires more energy of you right. to deliver okay. a great that's presentation. That, that's right. that's it. Yep. You will be, you'll be, you'll be draining as you're speaking and just noticing right. that. Right. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah really good. Yeah, thank you. <clears throat> and, and when I'm speaking to clients all over the world, they say, I wish presentations were easy. And there are a number of things, both internally, with some internal work and some external pieces that will make your presentations much more easy for you to do. Yeah. Linking onto that, there are some structures, some ways of creating your presentation before that will keep you energized. And one of the things around the acting metaphor is how do you create something once and deliver it a thousand times and make it sound like it's the first time you've delivered it? Well, that's the art of being in the present moment and the truth. Yeah. And engaging pieces, understanding what goes on in people's minds, the psychology of human beings and how we work and how powerful story is mm -hmm. in the way that we work. So I'll talk a bit about story, a bit about energy, and hopefully everything that I talk to you about today will certainly make your presentations easier. Mm -hmm. This is a big one for me. One of, the, one of the big questions I get is, oh, how do you memorize your presentation? And the first thing I say back to that is stop trying to memorize your presentation. And Maya Angelou said it perfectly when she said, people forget what you said. They'll forget what you did, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. So for me, yes, it's important what you say, particularly if it's being recorded for legal reasons, right? Mm -hmm. But actually, most people focus on what they're going to say and few people focus on how they want their audience to feel. And I'll make reference to that later on, particularly about how you want them to think, feel, and what you want them to do as a result. Mm -hmm. So I think 101 lesson, or if you take anything away from this seminar today, is actually if you focus more on how you want your audience to feel, you'll make more of a difference immediately. And that, that's doable even with formal... Uh, there's a particular motivation for me asking this, <laughs> which is um, uh, I, I actually am quite comfortable standing up in front of people if I know my stuff and mm. I'm not trying to, back to your point from the earlier slide, trying to, uh, to deliver the same lines, you know, or, or keep, keep to a very strict uh, script. And so I think there's something about the energy that I can put into that. And, but I feel inhibited by um, 
having to be very specific. So at the moment, I have to practice a, a, a 60 second pitch, which actually I, I'm, I've put inordinate amount of hours into that. But I think what I've lost sight of is I'm really aware of how it's making me feel <laughs> trying to do it. But I think I'd lost sight of, yeah, that you, you can't lose sight of, of the, how you're making the audience feel part of that, of that equation. Mm. You are there presenting entirely in service of your audience. Yeah. Because yeah. ultimately what you're looking to achieve, like in a play, you want them to, you want your audience to think a certain way. Yeah. You want them to feel a certain way, which will compound what they think. And then ultimately you want them to do something or stop doing something, particularly around corporate and business presentations. You want them to do more of something or less of something, right? Yeah. But to your point there, we get very caught up thinking about ourselves. Mm. And one of the biggest problems you can do, particularly on stage, is think about yourself. So before your presentation, doing the work, knowing your stuff, putting in the hours of rehearsal. Actors, if they're lucky, get four weeks to rehearse a play. Ask yourself this question, how long and often do you rehearse your presentations? How many previews do you give to people you know and trust and get feedback? I recommend as many as you can. With your pitching, Glenn, I recommend sharing your pitch with as many people as possible, getting so much feedback. The worst thing you can do is do it in the mirror. <laughs> I remember you giving me that advice when I was practicing that speech for a particular client, and uh -huh. I, and, which, which, which meant the following day I stopped practicing in front of the mirror. Which <laughs> <is great>. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Thank you. Yeah, that's a really... That's a really um, really good reminder because it's just very top of mind and and you know again if we've got people in the audience who want to ask questions please just pop it into the into the chat box and we can uh, we can interweave these as well otherwise i'm very happy to have a private tuition with darren but um, i'm sure you'd like more value for yourself too definitely and please send your questions this, these these work much more interactively and mm. if there's something i say that prompts a question throw it out there and glenn will ask it on your behalf yeah um, for, for sure um but why, why don't look in the mirror? Well, it speaks to, if you're looking at yourself rehearsing in the mirror, you can't possibly be in the present moment right. delivering it. And if you're delivering it to nobody, you're going to be very self-conscious and you're going to be pointing the spotlight upon yourself. Right. And whenever people come to me and say, I'm nervous. Now, how many of you listening now have ever felt nerves around delivering a presentation? Well, most of us if not all of us feel nerves. I still feel nerves. Um, it's how we use the nerves and what we do with our energy, because I said it's about energy and nerves are just a, a type of energy. Um, but here's what most people do when they're on stage. They imagine there's a, a cold, harsh light pointing at them and only them. And I, it's called the spotlight effect. There's a psychological principle, isn't there, Glenn, called the spotlight effect. Mm, yeah which is all around anxiety and the best way to feel anxiety is have the spotlight shining on you and by i mean metaphorically obviously and people often say particularly introverts they say oh i don't i don't like being center of attention so my first thing is saying well stop thinking about being center of attention mm -hmm. take the spotlight off you and put it onto your audience um, and you, people say, well, what, what do you mean? Well, if you're on a stage, when you step up onto the stage or the arena, if you're inside your head, worrying about how you look, how you sound, what they're thinking, what your next slide is, 
what could go wrong, often that's the recipe for feeling more nervous. So what I say is, rather than standing in the spotlight, why not be the spotlight? So illuminate your light onto the audience. So when I'm presenting, I never present to a dark, dark room. There's a guaranteed way of kind of fee- uh, increasing the pressure upon yourself is presenting to a dark room where you can't see people's faces. That's interesting. Okay. But for so me, I'm, I'm telling part, a story. That's, that's part of your, your shtick, is it, in terms of you will, you know, you'll arrange with whoever's the organisers or whatever that actually the, the, that the audience are lit in rather than dark for that very reason. Yeah, for that very reason. Wow. In, a play, in a play, yep. uh, there's, there's this met- metaphorical fourth wall Right. When you're pretending your audience are not there. Right. And for me, the best presentations I've seen and experienced and given, I see people's faces, I see their responses, I include them in my presentation, whether I'm asking directly or indirectly of them in that, in that presentation. That's now, you'll a, all be familiar with TED Talk. Go on. That's, that's a super bit of advice because very often what we get is, you know, you, you, you can read or I've certainly been told, I've probably said it to... to you know, groups that I might have been working with on presentation skills itself, you know, that actually, you know, block out the audience and just, you know, put yourself in a bubble kind of idea. But actually, that's kind of denying reality, right? Whereas what you're saying is embrace that reality as it's for what it is. Mm. I think that's really cool. Yeah, so you, you completely shift it on its head. So the internal work is move from being in the spotlight yeah. to being the spotlight. Yeah. So you're shining your light out there onto the audience. You're with them in service of them and you want to see what's going on for them so you can shift and adapt if necessary right love that um yeah and for for me whenever i present in the dark (laughs) it's just like it's like looking at yourself in the mirror it just doesn't make sense and you'll start kind of listening to your own inner voice and Mm -hmm. because it feels like you're looking in the mirror yeah We spend a lot of time training at drama school, really finding out the full power and potential of our bodies. And I see so many presenters, this is kind of working on the outside in this piece, mm-hmm. is, is they stand small. And when we stand small, we inhibit the amount of space we're taking up. And therefore our voice is often smaller and quieter and will therefore make smaller gestures and therefore be less impactful. So you can imagine a scenario where somebody's thinking they're in the spotlight, they're already nervous. As a result of that, they'll step out and take a small, narrow stance. They will, as a result, probably hunch their shoulders, be tense. They won't be breathing as clearly and as deeply as they could be. And it lacks power. Mm. And when I talk about power, I'm talking about kind of our, our resources, the energy, the maximum amount of power. And there's an exercise that I run with all uh, participants of my programs. And I, I call it a kind of neutral or power stance. Right. It doesn't look quite like this picture, mm-hmm. um, but the stance is about, right? So if, if, you're, if, well, if, you're, if you're driving, don't do this. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> driving. <laughs> or, or anything else, wielding, you know, machinery, you know. <laughs> yeah, and, and this, is, this is obviously best done standing, but it doesn't have to be done standing. So... If, if, you're, if you have to do it sitting down, you can do it. But I imagine, if, if everyone, everyone just do this kind of, so if you can stand up. I want you to know I am genuinely standing right now. 
Good, me too. I'm doing it. Yeah. And I want you to put your feet hip width slash shoulder width apart. So a nice wide stance, not too wide, but kind of hips shoulder width. And I want you to just um, imagine beneath your feet there is some warm sand. And allow your feet to sink below the level of the surface of the sand. So your feet are now in warm sand. And soften your knees a little bit now. Just soften them, not bend, soften. And then at the pelvis, tip your pelvis ever, ever so slightly forward, almost just like half an inch, less than half an inch. So what you do is you send all of the energy and your weight into the lower portion of your body. Because one of the things we do when we get nervous, our bottom half becomes much lighter and we start to fidget and move. And the psychology says the further away from your brain it is, the harder it is to control. So taking a good strong stance like this can really support you in delivering your powerful opening statement. So feet in the sand, knees soft, pelvis tip forward, shoulders back, looking up and out at the lit audience hmm. and take a nice deep in breath and breathe out. Now the second part is I ask people to lift up a finger, your index finger, and Place it about six inches from your nose and send all of your focus to that finger. You'll notice that the finger is very clear, but everything around you is blurred. Now, this is the smallest circle of influence. And this is where most people start. Start small, start with a small circle of influence, pretending like that bubble you talked about, Glenn. Mm. Then take the finger as far away as you can, just raise your arm out as far away as you can and send all your thoughts and focus and your breath to that finger. You'll notice that the outside surroundings become less blurred, the finger's still visible. And then in a moment, I'm gonna ask you to just drop your palms to your sides and send your focus or your view to the furthest point you can see in the room, the furthest point away from you. Drop your finger and just look to the distance now. And if you're in a public space, look around and breathe. And now smile, because I can imagine you're all like robots now. Have a smile. <laughs> and that for me is how I start every presentation, standing in my power, full, using my full space, my full energy, and engaging the audience in that moment of silence before I speak. And that can just be a few seconds. Yeah. And does, um, you mentioned your martial arts background and I, I have a martial arts background as well as you know. Mm. The, the importance of stance, um, both in martial arts and in this kind of presentation work, I, I think the connection is not a, um, not, not, not a random one uh, is mm. my is my reflection on that would, would, would you agree with that in the sense that you know we have strong positions in sports generally but also particularly in the martial arts and you need strong what you're suggesting is there are kind of strong positions from which to to speak and to present yeah so if you think look at all the all the martial arts the, the foundation of any martial art is its um stance mm particularly the eastern ones and particularly yeah. the chinese ones that i study is a low strong stance which again is both practical and a metaphor because the more senior you get you don't actually stand in the low stance but you replace the feeling 
of the low stance by, by standing upright. Yeah. So yeah. absolutely, it's about foundations, about, about roots. And not, it's not only about stance as well, it's about movement, how yeah. you move yeah. through the space, owning the space and flexing. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. Thanks for that. That's, um, I think that's the first time we've actually had a let's stand up and actually do something as part of these webinars. So that was cool for a change. Thank you. <laughs> very good. My pleasure. Any, any questions from anyone around, around that exercise? I've asked uh, for how, how that made anybody feel or if they were happy to share kind of what the effects of that was. But equally, as you say, if, the, if there are questions about it or you want some more insight, just drop a question into the chat box. Mm. If not, we'll move on. We can always come back to it at a later stage. So that's fine. The, the three considerations that, that I, th I think are very, very important, linking back to one of the first things I said earlier on around, um, I, can't know, did, I don't think I did say earlier on. So the, these are the three areas I ask people to focus on. So purpose, I would say never go into a presentation not knowing the purpose, the reason that you're there to speak. And the reason that you're there to speak is not because the CEO has asked you to do a presentation. Yeah. Or the sales director has asked you to, do, uh, to talk his slides or her slides through to, to a small audience of the sales team. So by purpose, I'm talking about what's the reason you're there. In, and the question I ask is, in order to what, so that what? And I'm amazed how many people haven't even considered it. They just say, I've, I've got my slides and... Actually, I haven't really seen them because I've just been sent them by my boss. Yeah. And I say, what's the, what's the purpose? They say, to get through it. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah, understandable. Alive, alive, yeah. usually. Yeah. Not making a complete fool of myself. Yeah, so yeah, so just making sure everything works and getting through it alive. And that is one purpose, mm -hmm. but um, it's not the most powerful uh, in terms of engagement. So I think putting myself in the audience shoes, what's the reason that they are there too? What are they going to get from coming to your presentation that they wouldn't get if they just stayed and watched, read your slide deck in bed? Hmm. Seen, I've seen so many, and you may have seen these, of people just standing on stage, reading a heavily laden slide deck full of really small text with their backs to the audience 95% of the time. Have you ever experienced that one, Glenn? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's... Um... It, it's it's painful actually. Um, it's, it's painful, and you talked about engagement earlier on. It's mm. it's it's the pretty much you know guaranteed way of switching the audience off. If you're just doing it without any of those passions and, and without a clear sense of why you're there, it's rubbish, isn't it? And we've all and, and I'm, we, you and I aren't alone in that. There'll be every single person in uh, in the audience will recognise that. One hundred percent. And this is this is pre-work before you even get out onto your presentation understand what the purpose is what you're there to achieve and for me the, the bigger the purpose is the more energized and engaged you'll be around it now i did a lot of work with uh with the nhs a few years ago actually we worked quite a fair bit with the nhs together didn't we glenn a few years ago yeah. um and i had a lot of nurses coming to my presentation skills session they were like oh i just i just do this or i just do that so when i'm speaking to my teams they were doing team presentations I'm just the shift nurse. And I was like, well, is that it? What, what's the purpose of your presentation? They were like, well, to make sure that they do stuff. I'm like, really? Is that the real purpose? And then you drill down a bit and actually you get to a point of like, they're there to kind of create an environment that keeps the patients 
safe as possible or to create an inspiring place to, to work. Yeah, yeah. And what chance have you got of that if you're just going through the motions, right? None, almost yeah. none at all, I think. Ascot said that um, <laughs> there's enough that they, they go to sleep in the first few minutes if somebody's lacking that kind of sense of why they're there and whatever. So I think we're getting some echoes of, of that back from, the, back from the audience. Yeah, some people will go to sleep when they've seen who's speaking because they've seen them speak before. Yeah. <laughs> so they won't waste any time giving them two or three minutes. Yeah. So it's absolutely clear to an audience member when somebody's not on purpose, yeah. who's not there to make a difference. So they haven't answered the questions. I'm here in order to, so that. Yeah. And I'll the put, reason you know that. Phrase, um, sorry, just so you know, I put that little phrase in the, um, in the chat box so that people can take that away. Because I think it's a really nice, if you can't ask, answer that question, you probably need to wait <laughs> to do the presentation until you can. Mm. Well, I really like that, it's cool. The, then when you step up onto the stage, my advice is share with your audience your purpose. And the more explicit you are with them saying, this is why I'm here mm. in order to achieve this. Um, like I did at the start of the session, my purpose is to help you create more easy, engaging and energized presentations. Mm. The next thing, and actually this is a big piece of work, the process. So what are you going to do? How are you going to do it? What's going to be involved in your presentations? Case studies, videos, what kind of interaction is there going to be? When are you going to ask for questions? Are you going to ask for questions in the middle or at the end? I'm always really specific about when I want my questions, my presentations. So Glenn and I, you and I agreed that we would have questions coming throughout this process. Yeah. But it's not suitable for every, every presentation, but just one of the things that I often do, even if I'm having questions at the end, I will say up front in the process. So I know you will have questions. So as they come up, capture them. Mm. and I will be taking them at the end. So what I'm doing there is a couple of things, both psychologically and practically is going, um, you will have questions to ask. I know you will. That's the, the supposition. And getting them to capture them down because then they can forget about them in that moment and yeah. they know that I'll come back to them. Yeah. And also in the process, how long it's going to be. You'll be amazed at how many presentations I've seen. They said, oh, it's a five-minute presentation and 12 minutes, they're still going. <laughs> yeah. And your audience are asleep again to your, to, what did yeah. you say, As Ascot's point? Uh, it's, actually, it's actually Alistair Scott. So I, I'm just, I've already apologised on uh, the chat box for, for, uh, yeah, for referring to, to Alistair by his sort of joint first and second name. I, I think that's, there's, there's a lot around the process and I wonder whether sometimes and challenge me on this because I think this is an assumption I'm making mm. that that there's the process of you're talking a lot about process of preparing the audience you know and mm -hmm. interacting with the audience so you can set some expectation you can only really do that once you've got a clear sense of purpose right so if you're clear about what the purpose is then the process kind of comes from that and is the process in service of the per in the mm -hmm. is it in service of the purpose um but again, it comes back to your point. If you haven't defined what the purpose is, how can you, how can you design a fit-for-purpose process? What most people do, in my experience, is when they're asked to make a presentation, they go straight to the process. They go, I'll just put together a few slides and see what happens. Yeah. Now, that's a generalization, but I've heard that a lot. So people go to the slides first. And I say you come to the slides last. Yeah. The process is, is defined by what your purpose is. So the images you put up on there are defined by 
what you're what you're looking to achieve your purpose yeah very cool um and you know and by the way you don't have to share it with your audience but they'll know if you have one because your opening statement will will define sure. how purposeful you are and i'll come to that very shortly around how to open powerfully but okay. the final piece is around the payoff what's in it for your audience mm. tell tell them yeah and, and make it make it worthwhile them turning up because otherwise you might as well just not do it and send them the slide deck to read in bed they've got to get something out of it that they wouldn't get if they weren't there and i think um it's fair to say your advice on that is to make that very explicit right um because i know as a personal weakness of mine i just tend to dive into these things on the assumption that you're there and you know why you're there mm. um but it seems to me darren like you're suggesting that that needs to be an explicit part you know, it doesn't have to be a long part but an explicit part of the of the process which is that kind of what's in it for me question 100 percent. you know things like you know like the play like romeo and juliet it starts it starts by telling you the whole plot line the whole story <laughs> yes and no, nobody nobody leaves after the after the first yeah <laughs> five yeah. minutes and they go oh, well i know what happens now there's no point in me staying <laughs> yeah plot spoiler, spoiler. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so, so i think i think absolutely i am always very explicit um often on my seminars i say that this session is going to allow you access to generating more energy more personal power um, better results and more fun in your life mm. who's interested in that and you get a share of hands yeah yeah you're gonna go okay great well you were in the right place then so yeah. now what you said to them is so there's something in it for you stay with me yeah yeah and i think there's there's an element i haven't thought about it like this but there's an element then of that being very respectful to the audience right which is you know they are there whether they've chosen to be um like our audience or that or they're there because somebody's told them to be you know they're still there and there's something about I, I, that feels like a very respectful way of interacting with the people that are, are in front of you mm. often there's you know in, in every audience in every team there's there's three types of people uh, mm. who, who will be in your audience there are the people who, are, who really really want to be there who are really looking to get something from it participate and get involved There'll be people there just along for the ride, just to, to sit on the back row and be on Facebook, but they could say they were in the room. Yeah. And then you've got the people who really, really don't want to be there. And there's two kinds of people who don't want to be there. There's the kind of people that just are a bit annoyed um, and they tend to sit on the side so they can escape quickly, like a prison break. And then the people who are really, really angry that they're there and they often sit on the front row because what can they do from there, from the front row? They can heckle. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. I think there's some really lovely uh, tips and things for people to think about in relation to purpose, process and payoff and the links between those. So I think that idea of um, that idea that you've got, you know, uh, you've got the very, the very much the, the spotlight. So this is a, a question that Piers has asked, which is, you know, any tips for keeping the spotlight on launch during webinar presentations? I, I'm assuming there's it's either a little bit tongue in cheek, but I think the point is there is lots of there is lots of focus here on. You know, mm. whilst you've got three words in there, there's about a hundred different sort of takeaways, which I think is really mm. cool. What about Kevin's question, which was, um, what about if uh, around the process, what would your recommendations be to engaging the audience um, in relation to uh, in, uh, when the English isn't their first language? So we've got people here that are you know, presenting perhaps to, to people from all sorts of nationalities. 
um, what, what would your, and I know you've done that yourself, so, so what, would you, what tips would you give to people there? So what's the question specifically? So it's, um, do you have any recommendations to engaging with an audience when English isn't their first language? Yeah, so I, I did a, a presentation for about 600 people in, in Asia Pacific in Bangkok and, and this company had flown in all the kind of APAC regions, Taiwan, China, Singapore, all into this one big hotel in, in Bangkok and English wasn't their first language. So I'm going to assume that they can speak English. Yeah, yeah. And this is where we need to rely on multi-sensory preferences, you know, the visual, auditory and kinesthetic. So when you're saying something, keep your slides really simple, have a visual image for, for what it is you're saying. Yeah. Obviously then you will need to adapt your language to suit the English skills of your audience. It's a question I always ask when I'm working in another country is what is the level of English? Mm. And I was working in Poland actually, a couple of years ago, I had an audience of about 150 and only three of them spoke fluent enough English to not have a translator. Wow, okay, yeah. So there's a simultaneous Russian and Polish translators at the back and depends on which translators you get, they speak can speak very loudly. They, some of them get very animated like they're actually on stage with you. So they, sometimes you have to battle that. So kind of keep the language simple, yeah. have visual images to represent what you're talking about, use metaphors, talk in stories to explain complicated com concepts. Mm -hmm. you know, stories are the best way for me to engage audience. And you can turn your entire, if you can't turn your entire presentation into like a, a fable, yeah. then you haven't really got clear on what the story is right. and what the purpose is. You know, in acting terms, there's a, there's a guy called Con, um, Stanislavski, Konstantin mm. Stanislavski, and he talked about the super objective. If you're not clear on what, what, what your destination is, you can't work backwards to, to how you're going to get there, and then you can't signpost, and yeah. you can't be really clear. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, let's, let's move this along, and I want to come back mm. to, uh, it was, um, I, I was being slightly um, tongue-in-cheek myself, because uh, mm. it, it has got a very good question, because actually i think with virtual teams with leaders leading you know teams that are dispersed not just across the uk but across the globe potentially you know there are a lot of webinar type activities that are going on mm -hmm. uh, and and he's rightly asked the question which is you know this is a this is a medium that kind of requires a slightly different way to engage with it um you know and how do we how do we genuinely keep the spotlight on the audience um mm -hmm. you know in a webinar format um, I don't know if you've got a couple of points and I don't know how different that would be from your response then to the, you know, um, uh, engaging an audience with, a, with, with not English as their first language, but any sort of additional things to think about from a webinar point of view and then we'll move it forward into the last few slides. We've got about 10 minutes or so to go. Um, that's an interesting one, I guess, because whenever I'm coaching on webinars, I, I tend to always have the video on, but it's often a smaller audience. Right. And then I can, can gauge that everyone's, well, nobody else is on their phone or doing the other things that they'd be doing because if yeah. it's a work presentation, my expectations, I make them explicit that we have the video on, that everyone stays okay. on, on mute when okay. they're not speaking. So yeah. we, can, we can see everybody, like you see when you're on stage. Yeah. So this is a challenge when we, when we can't see anybody. Any, you could be up to anything. You could all be naked or be on your phones or 
driving your car where yeah. where engagement's going to drip and drop down low and one of the things you can do is is make it very interactive if you want to keep engagement yeah yeah as you did so you've already demonstrated that for us and and I, but I, I think there is there are there are sort of practical considerations around bandwidth that you and I've talked about mm. which is why I tend not to put the that my my own um, camera on here because it's it's a bit it fluctuates a bit and and then it's more aggro than it would be to not have it on in my view but I absolutely accept what you're saying and perhaps this is where Piers is going you know it's a challenging format because sometimes you, you've got stuff to present and you can't see the pe the, the whites of the people's eyes that you're talking to um, interesting okay let's let's move that on thank you and we'll we'll kind of keep fielding questions so keep them coming that's great lovely to get. Lots of feedback in and keep the questions coming. That's awesome. Um, thought, emotion and action then. Yeah, the T model. Um, this is one of my favorites. Um, really links to the purpose, links to managing your nerves, putting the spotlight out. When you're putting your presentation together, what do you want your audience to think? Okay. And in order, to, in order to facilitate that, you need to have, have thought about it. What do you want them to think mm. about this section, the next section, the overall presentation, the story, the, the slide, the number that you're showing them, and how do you want them to feel about that? Because actually our feelings are the first point in which we, we, we experience the world consciously, right? So if I'm feeling something, then I must be having thoughts about it. And as a speaker, I'm very mindful that I can use my, my influence to send people on a journey and manage their thoughts and influence their emotions so that they do something different, which is the action piece. So at every moment, what do I want them to think? What do I want them to feel? And what do I want them to do or not do? Yeah. It's very different to what am I thinking right now? What am I feeling right now? What should I do right now? Because that puts the spotlight back on you and back in your head. Yeah. And that plays to the Maya Angelou's uh, quote from earlier on, right? That people won't mm. necessarily remember what you said or what you did, but that emotion thing is absolutely key. Yeah, and it starts, it starts right at the very beginning um, with a big bang. <laughs> Apparently it all started with a big bang. Right. Um, this is a technique that I teach everyone that I work with. And if any of you have watched any TED Talks, this happens on every single TED Talk hmm. that ever exists. Um, a big bang will start something like with, with a fact. So 99% of all people would rather die than speak in public yeah. or yeah. ask yourself this question or did you know yeah these are great big bangs you say that and then the dot 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 is whatever you want to put in there um the power of three is a great big bang so you repeat the same thing three times 50 percent of this does this 50 percent of this does this 50 percent of this does this yeah and that, that's, that's, a, that's a very tried and tested model. I, I'm going to mm -hmm. challenge you back on it a little bit, which is, mm -hmm. do you get any sense it's, it's like a lot of tools? It, it's, it can be overused, right? Because, you know, you, you see people holding up the three fingers and it's all... I understand why it's, it, you know, and it's helpful, but yeah, it's just like, here we go again. It's the power of three thing. Mm. Absolutely, it can be overdone. And I think going back to your purpose mm. will inform the Big Bang and, and it needs to be authentic. 
I've seen so many presentations where it is inauthentic, where they've kind of gone, okay, I need to count it on my fingers. Oh, yeah. I need to, I need to take a stamp at this point. Yeah. And that's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just capturing an audience's attention yeah. in that first moment in that power stance with the spotlight on them that says I'm here for you in service of you. The, the, I, I did one a few years ago. I did a, a personal presentation around body awareness. Right. Um, not, I don't, I'm not even sure you know, I think you know about this. I was diagnosed with cancer in 2015 yeah. um, and managed to catch it early enough. So when I'm teaching this, for example, I say something like, you know, in 2015, my life was turned upside down. In 2015, I found out something that would change my life forever. In 2015, I was diagnosed with cancer. Now, I've done that because I want my audience to think something. Mm. I want them to feel a certain way. And then what I do is I kind of go, but I'm not here to talk to you today about cancer. Right, yeah. I'm yeah. here to talk to you about how, how to stay alive. And then I put the Staying Alive soundtrack on. <laughs> like, and because I want them to laugh. So I want them to immediately go through a journey of, oh my gosh, this is really deep, to, oh, phew, it's, he survived, it's okay, it's going to be fun. See that, so I use my purpose and then I use some creative ways to really engage them and grab hold of them really quickly. Nice. So it's authentic and it's about taking them on a journey immediately. Yeah, and that kind of pivot that you've talked about, again, I think it's a nice technique for people to consider when they're thinking about those presentations. You know, as you say, you sort of leave them to somewhere and, and comics do this brilliantly, don't they? Mm -hmm. You know, they'll lead you somewhere and then, and then pivot to something quite different. And it's in that shift like you've just mm -hmm. described i think it's a great technique actually i hadn't thought about it but you you see that done really well and it and you get a bit of a laugh as a bit of a whoof and then you probably get the rush of endorphins so you're actually getting a physical response as well mm -hmm. as a kind of an emotional you know kind of a yeah kind of body brain connection thing definitely and for me it, it links on to my final slide whenever i'm presenting i'm focusing on on these three things and mm -hmm. If you're listening to this now, you will have seen probably all of these types of presentations. The one you just talked about there, Glenn, was the, the engaging or the entertaining one. And for me, the archetype entertaining presentation is a stand-up comic. Right. Now, if you've seen a presentation where it was supposed to be a business presentation, but all they did was tell jokes, you <laughs> might come out and kind of go, that was great fun, but I didn't learn anything. Yeah. Yeah. If you've ever been in a, a presentation that was purely influential, it might have felt like a very hard sales presentation. I also often think about window presentations, window sales from, from the 80s. Yes. And literally, they feel like the doors were locked and you weren't getting out until you were buying in. Yeah. Um, and then the, the other archetype one is information, where presentation is all information, facts, and data. Mm. And how, how boring are they? Yeah, pretty dry. So it's about saying, okay, so in every presentation, what, amount, what information am I going to put in? How am I going to influence my audience and keep them engaged? Ideally, you could have all three in one. Okay. So put information in to influence people's emotions in a story, mm. for example. Mm. You could cover off those things of, of, of a case study, something that's happening in your life right now, something that happened in the business or might happen in the business in the future. Oh, what, I, what I really like about that, that um, model that you've got there is a it's really simple but the other thing is what's not on there is entertain 
and and can you can you talk to us a little bit about the trap that people fall into by by misunderstanding engagement as entertainment and you know how that can kind of go badly wrong and and, and how you kind of manage that for people so interestingly i used to put entertain on there not engage right right and then i had to justify it in, the, in exactly the just way you just described it so i'm not talking about making jokes i'm mm. talking about using story metaphor um, using video clips using images on the screen using using exercises if you want to have your audience engaged kinesthetically get them involved yeah um, it's not about standing up there telling jokes unless that's your presentation yeah 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 and, and depending on what your purpose is depending on which one of these you will lean on more right. uh, and it's quite tough to get them in equal measure but absolutely if you if you just go for information it's going to be quite dull if you just try and influence, it's going to be hard sales. If you just try and engage, it will feel like weird, inauthentic entertainment. Mm. Yeah, so I've got in my head, I've got a kind of um, Venn diagram sort of feel to it and thinking that, you know, that the, these will be... So if we link this back to the purpose, are you saying that you should try to get all three, but there'll be different sizes or different amounts based on what the audience is and what the purpose of the presentation is? Is that, what, is that right, the right thing to, to take away from that? A great presentation will include all three. Okay. Yeah. And the very best presentations include all three simultaneously. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, but not necessarily in equal measure, though. That's right. Yeah. Not, yeah. In, not necessarily in equal measure. Okay. So my point is, how do you convey information through an interesting, engaging way that influences the way people think and feel? Yeah. Standing from your position of power, but being fully present, authentic, engaging taking and seeing the whole audience noticing how they are yes that's a and key and, and yeah and i think that's that engagement works both ways I'm, i know I used to be a teacher and you know if you weren't able to read the room and what was going on with the dynamic in the room um you were lost pretty quickly and and classes would run rings around you and i think there's that two-way dynamic around the engaging which is the engaging story but also you engaging with the audience second by second almost mm. and that bring can i just ask you a couple of questions i'm mindful with sort of, of the end but we've got a couple of great questions here that i want to um because they're, they're kind of related not just to this slide but to everything that you've said um richmond uh who actually was on the success id podcast did a fantastic podcast on um understanding pain as success um and so great to have richmond on board he's asked how, how do you um, what would your advice be for dealing with disruptors or people that take over kind of question time, um, you know, and, and want a lot of airtime themselves. Because that you don't want to be rude. Um, but how do you how do you how do you manage that? And, and what can we take away from what your experience would be? How do I manage it in the moment? Yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess that's what we're looking at here. Well, there's a couple of things. Sometimes my, my first thought is they might not even be aware that they're doing it. Sure. So one of the things I often do is we'll, we'll grab someone in a break and just say, do you, do you know you're doing this? So kind of give them feedback in the moment and ask them, just be curious about it. Yeah. And, they, and they'll tell me their reasons. Um, another, another way I do it is kind of making sure that the room, we keep the whole room engaged. So if one person's asking me a question, I'll never answer the question directly to that person. Yeah, that's a good point. So okay. This is really so valuable. Go. So you use them as the anchor point and move okay. away from them and, yeah. and answer it to the audience. Yeah, great. And then you stand, be really explicit. So a question from over this side of the room. Mm. Who hasn't asked a question yet? So rather than saying, please be quiet, you've asked enough questions. <laughs> yeah. 
you, you open it up. Who's who? Who, who, like, who else would like to answer a question? Ask yeah. a question. Okay, so, very good. Um, is, that, Ian, is that useful for you, Richmond? That's really cool. What What about um, Ian's uh, Ian Dodds? Um, very welcome on board. Ian's a supporter, very much a supporter of Success ID. Um, what's the what? What he's asked is what about sort of how you manage sort of summarizing and giving the kind of uh, key takeaways in a format that people can hold on to or you know how do you sort of I suppose it's a summary piece really how do you manage that key takeaway bit well first thing is if you've done a great piece up front around purpose process and payoff you've told yes. them what you're going to tell them then in, in the main presentation body you'll tell them and the final piece is tell them what you've told them right yeah and people can really only remember about three things anyway which you'll notice if you look through all my slides Everything is lots of threes. I'm aware that people remember threes. Yeah, yeah. And really just finding that the purpose will help you create the thread that runs through the whole piece. Mm. So for me, for me, it's around ensuring you're standing in your power, placing the spotlight on your audience, staying powerfully present and engaged with them. How you want to make them think, feel, and behave mm. using influence, information, and engagement have you far superior in your presentation skills than most people on the planet who would rather die <laughs> uh, well look on, on that note, i'm going to open up uh, i'm just mindful that it is six o'clock so mm -hmm. and i know people have got places to be and i and i'm really mindful that um we've used up a lot of your time so uh, on behalf of everybody i'd like to say uh, Darren, thank you ever so much indeed for a fantastic presentation. No surprise there, perhaps, <laughs> um, but it was it was really fantastic. Um, we've got some thank yous coming in from from the group too, so I, I'll pass those on to you as well. Um, if there's anybody that's in the audience and wants to ask a question now, um, uh, I would strongly suggest that we might have a, a minute or two for you to mm -hmm. do that at most. Um, you, where could people find you, Darren, if they want to connect with you? Where's the best place for them to seek you out if they if they want to sort of follow up? Or oh, there we go, perfect. <laughs> and there's right another there. for perfect presentations, right? <laughs> Absolutely, signpost where you can find me. So that's obviously my email address. And the Power Up Program is a seminar that I that I'm running in January uh, with a very good friend, another business partner of mine. Um, two day powerful coaching seminar. So it's not presentation skills, but if you want some more help on presentation skills, email me and I can talk to you about that. Okay, great. And are we, are we in a position to be able to share um, slides or a version of slides with, with people? Yeah, I might take the ones of my family out, but you can have, I'll, I'll create a slide one for you. <laughs> All right, perfect. I would say, um, I, I want to say thank you to, to everybody on the call as well. It's fantastic that you've come along to the final success idea event of the year. I hope you've enjoyed it and taken loads of value from it i'm actually going to make this uh this week's success id podcast i knew there would be lots of value in it um and i, I think it, it's a nice way to finish the year with something that's longer than our standard format um there won't be the visuals obviously but it will just be the soundtrack for the podcast but i think it's been so cool uh darren we'll we'll pop that on as this week's podcast for the success id so you've done okay. two for the price of one there which uh i, I know is a bit cheeky but um i hope you don't mind i think it'll be great <laughs> um, to everybody uh very best wishes for those of you that we're seeing next week um at the drinks party come and say hi if i don't know you um thank you for all those people that have asked questions and got engaged and involved in that way as well really grateful for that and Keep your eyes and ears open for next year's programme, starting off with Leading Change. Um, so season four is looking at Leading Change. Uh, so that'll be um, 
two webinars and two live events. Season five is looking at leading a team. So that's including coaching teams and how you as a leader might want to think about leading a team. And then the final season of the year is looking at what are the latest trends that leaders need to be aware of. To everybody, thank you ever so much. Most importantly, Darren, you're a star. Really appreciate that. Thank you very much indeed. I'm going to end the Pleasure. meeting now. Take care. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye.